Welcome to today's podcast, episode one. I am Alexandra Malatesta, and welcome to today's podcast, where we will focus on the we want, we need, and we pay the consequences. A podcast where we will discuss the impact of consumerism on the environment and the importance of moving towards a more sustainable society. In today's episode, we will explore consumerism and climate change. We have two amazing guest speakers that will share and provide us with great insight and information on this topic. Can you both introduce yourselves and explain your reasons for being here? Hi, my name is Noah Dean. Um, Thank you for having me. I'm a student at Ryerson University, and I'll be discussing and answering any questions regarding today's topic, consumerism and climate change. Hello, everyone. My name is Marianne Alfaro, and currently I'm completing a sociology course for the first time. First of all, thank you, Alexandra, for having me here today as your guest. It is both an honor and a pleasure to be here this afternoon with you and Noah, sharing my knowledge and being able to converse with you about this topic that is of great interest to me. So, for many years, I have studied consumerism in the Industrial Revolution because I am fascinated by how rapidly the world was transformed from a simplistic way of life to one of consumption and waste. It is believed that consumerism exploded as a result of the Industrial Revolution. It created the demand for goods and services that suddenly became mass-produced and readily available to the public. Before industrialization, Products were created uniquely in limited quantities and crafted within people's homes. Factories became equipped with the capability of rapidly producing cheaper products on a grander scale that once could only be afforded by the wealthy. There was a new production process that became known as Fordism, which was assembly line manufacturing that efficiently produced products, such as cars, to household items rapidly. With an increased selection of goods and services available, Shopping became an important cultural activity in the 18th century. Through industrialization, the economy was dramatically transformed, whereby the means of producing material commodities were increasingly mechanized in that human or animal labor was replaced by mineral sources of energy. This may seem insignificant, however. The Industrial Revolution generated a heavy reliance on energy sources that instigated the process we refer to today as climate change. Scientists believe that through industrialization, humans began adding carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases into the atmosphere with the burning of fossil fuels such as coal and oil. For example, in England's textile mills, development of iron making increased the demand on coal. The need and drive to accelerate production of goods created a culture of consumers who rarely stopped to reflect on the long-term effects their consumption would have on the planet. It is understood that industrialization improved and raised the quality of life, but it was due this progress that has led us to this predicament of climate change. A study in the Journal of Industrial Ecology noted that consumption of knickknacks was attributed to over 60% of global greenhouse emissions and that countries that produced more had a 5.5 times greater impact on the environment. By definition, industrialization is the process whereby there was a shift from an agriculturally-based economy to one of mass production. The Industrial Revolution brought with it a new culture, pleasures and identities, but also new kinds of brutality. 
The Industrial Revolution was a period in the late 1700s to early 1800s that began in Great Britain and spread throughout the world. It is indisputable that the Industrial Revolution was responsible for the creation of capitalism whose ultimate goal was profit. Employees were paid hourly wages and no longer had economic stake in what they were producing. Companies now were taking the lion's share of the profits. Prior to industrialization, people worked on farms. However, with the advance in factories, people began to move to urban areas to work for companies. Despite facing harsh conditions, people were able to make a better living than working on a farm. As incomes began to increase, so did consumption rates, especially among the middle class. As improvements were made in regard to transportation and manufacturing technology, opportunities for purchasing and selling accelerated and became an important part of everyday life. Shopping became an important ritual and pastime as towns and cities saw rapid growth. Windows and storefronts were strategically designed to entice customers and shops began to cater to customers' individual needs and wants. Customers were being encouraged to handle goods and try them on to enhance their overall shopping experience. The idea of consumerism progressed in suggesting people were purchasing items that may or may not be necessary. Was it a need or a want? Karl Marx felt that commodities were not viewed as products of labor, but as fetishes. His belief was that as commodities lost connection with the objective value, they became fetishized. Therefore, the need to purchase goods, even if they were not necessary, would not only affect the pocketbook, but also the entire environment. If society does not take a step back and revisit this course of consumption they have adopted, it will result in increased land use, deforestation, and accelerated climate change. Now, Noah, do you have anything to add to what I've said? Yeah, so you've explained where consumerism stems from and how it came to play such a dominant role in society. As we now know, events like the Industrial Revolution played a key part in the development of consumerism. However, from a sociological standpoint, I'd like to add my opinion to why consumerism even exists in the first place. To start, consumerism is basically the idea that increasing consumption of goods and services is a desirable goal in society. An example of this is where you said that shopping has become an important ritual to society. Shopping is a form of consumerism. Anyways, so now instead of the question, why does consumerism exist? We have the question, why is the idea that increasing consumption of goods and services is a desirable goal in society? To answer this question, I feel we first have to familiarize ourselves with the definition of consumption. David M. Evans published a sociological paper that defined consumption as practice theories and associated concepts of ordinary and inconspicuous consumption, and here's the important part, that are clearly appealing to those with an interest in environmental sustainability. So now we know that consumerism involves consumption, and consumption involves an interest in environmental sustainability. One can put the puzzle pieces together and see that consumerism ultimately exists because humans have an interest in environmental sustainability. And yes, I know what you're thinking, that makes no sense, what are you talking about? Because what does, what does saving Earth, wildlife, and ecosystems have to do with anything I just said? Well, what part of Evans actually meant in using the words environmental sustainability pertained to its alternate definition, which is environmental sustainability is the capacity to improve the quality of life. 
So now, with that definition in hand, we can go in the opposite direction and say that since environmental sustainability is the, is the capacity to improve the quality of human life, and then a large factor that is critical to the improvements or sustainment of quality of life is happiness, one can see that material goods and the consumption of, consumptions of desirables ultimately provides a source of interest of happiness for people. So in other words, consumerism ultimately exists because people have an interest in happiness. Also, I just want to add that consumerism plays such a big role today that some people around, around Canada and the United States are asking to completely disregard the current pandemic and proceed with the upcoming Black Friday event like if the pandemic doesn't exist, which is just thousands of people gathering to rush as fast as possible to buy items on sale that will make them happier, or so they think. This brings another topic into play, which is the problem with consumerism, which I won't go into detail right now, but includes that many people... Many people's happiness stems from consumerism and that consumerism is destroying our earth. Thank you for that, Noah. Could you actually go into a bit more detail about some of the problems with consumerism? Yeah, sure. So I'll start off by saying that there is a sort of insanity when it comes to consumerism and consumption. Today, we are provoked in countless ways to consume, which for most of us is our main desire and desire in life. Just think of your own life. You are likely saving up to purchase something planning accordingly so you can buy property, or looking to replace something you already own. People just want more. They work or trade for more of what they don't have. Not to mention, we are perpetually stimulated to consume because many people's wants have taken the place of their needs. I just want to remind everyone that for most of history, the majority of humans owned close to nothing. They like to just own the clothes they wore, simple cooking supplies, and the shoes on their feet. Humans endured millennia, where they were constantly poor, and it would have been unfathomable, unfathomable to imagine the wealth, they, wealth we have today, as it simply never existed. You can almost think of consumerism as a new drug on the market in which all of humanity is now crazy for. However, this drug is the most disappointing drug that exists, as the user never gets to experience the high they, they think they're going to feel. In other words, people use consumerism as a path to happiness which does not exist. And here are some reasons why people believe consumer consumerism is a good path to happiness. The first is that people enjoy new things, especially when they, when they didn't have them before. And they experience a thrill, and they confuse this thrill of happiness. People tell themselves they'll be happy once they own something, buy or get those things they've been wanting for so long. And then when they finally get it, they are met with a short-lived thrill and a now-what feeling. They draw the conclusion that they just need to buy, buy something else, as they think their happiness can come from consuming things. Consumerism creates a hunger that just cannot be satisfied. Consumerism provides close to no moments of meaning and connection. I mean, when you're on your deathbed, you won't be thinking how, of how you owned all 12 iPhones or bought those $250 Gucci flip-flops that you wore in Miami and were robbed for. You'll be thinking of all the things that truly, truly matter and make you happy, like your loved ones, friends, and maybe your favorite pastime. And that's the problem with consumerism, as people devote so much time and energy to it. It's basically a machine that is designed to get us to, ne to neglect what is important in life. On another note, there's a negative impact consumerism has on the, there, there's been a negative impact consumerism has had on climate change. It's arguable that consumerism is entirely responsible for climate change and the collapse of, and the collapse of countless ecosystems and extinction of species. Climate, climate change could be said to be a symptom of consumerism, increasingly worsening as to tell humanity to, to stop its seemingly endless increase in the material world. It's interesting to view it this way, and it really emphasizes that, hum, that, that humanity and Earth are kind of one large living entity, 
Also, it was the Industrial Revolution that catalyzed what is now referred to as climate change. There are many indicate indicators that the Industrial Revolution Revolution's expansion would not be sustainable for Earth. But during this period of time, there are so many new advancements and developments that the world completely overlooked their, their, the impact their actions had on their environment. Products, material goods, and commodities were being manufactured in such large quantities, quantities that for most people, it seemed like they would never run out. The Industrial Revolution provided a path for humanity for everlasting expansion and advancement, which is, which is exactly what has happened for the past 100 years. I mean, in 1920, global carbon emissions was around 3.5 billion tons. In 1960, it was 9.4 billion. In 1990, it was 22. And today, we're emitting 36 billion tons of carbon per, week, per year. However, this current year, we're actually one of, the, one of the lowest carbon emission years we've had in a nearly a decade. This is due to the current COVID-19 pandemic. When the virus reached a global scale, the entire world basically shut down. Factories in China and other major manufacturing countries were no longer producing. People are not nearly driving their cars as much as they normally would because, of, because they have to stay in their houses. By April 2020, global, global emissions decreased by 17%, peaking at 25%. This, this begs the question, do we need to go to, the, to these extreme measures where we have to turn off the world for a few months every year so that we can save what is left of our planet? And personally, yes, I do believe we need to do this. Ten years ago, we were told that we had 50 years until we wrecked Earth, and now we are told we only have 20. We are expanding at a rate that is beyond sustainable, and there will be quite literally no future for coming gen generations if we don't address and change the way we operate as, as societies, countries, and people. Thank you for that. But so far, what are your thoughts? Why do you think starting this conversation matters? So I believe that so far, everything the two of you have said is completely relevant and valid. It will definitely help to bring awareness to this topic that still not many people notice because they don't realize how much their society has influenced them and their decisions to become in this way that it's called as consumerist. Um, and I think that this happens because we don't really pay much attention to those little decisions uh, we take in our everyday lives and its consequences. We don't think about them. And also, most of the time, we're taking things for granted, so we don't question them and their truth. Um... I totally agree with you, and I think that, in reality, if we were to look deeper into several things, we would find answers and explanations, and everything would make more sense. So, you know, right now, for a few minutes, just take a look around your house or wherever you are and see what things you have. I bet you that there is a sofa, chairs, a coffee table, and tables, lamps decorative pillows, paintings up on the wall, a TV, or actually several TVs, curtains, a rug, or several rugs, a wall clock, desk, chair, dining table, a dining hutch, cabinets, a drawer, and the list will go on for a few minutes and even hours. Haha, <laughs> yes. So much stuff, but we don't want to bore our listeners. Exactly, and you know, there is a strong relationship between the ability and willingness of buying things to our statues and place in society. Every day we find ourselves in a constant battle of being productive and competitive in order to achieve success in our professional careers, in our personal lives, you know, in every single aspect of it. Because the long-term reward of hard work, um, you know, it's going to be a fat bank account and that gives many, many people a sense of stability and security. 
we think that we need this stuff that we've never owned before and that they are indispensable in our lives because the more things we have, the better off we are and ultimately the happier we will be. Of course. I imagine you have heard the old saying, money buys happiness. Many agree with it and others don't. But you know what? The one thing that we all agree and that we all have in common is that never-ending desire to buy things to keep up with trends and to buy new things to fulfill that happiness. You know, whenever we buy a new item, there's a feeling of excitement and satisfaction. It makes us feel good and we're addicted to that feeling. And we ever, you know, we get even more satisfied when we show our new purchases to our partners, friends, or families to the world right now with social media, you know, a post. Um, but this is a never-ending cycle because that feeling of satisfaction is temporary. It would only last a few seconds. You know, we are only going to be able to reach a next number of likes. And this is not a permanent constant in our lives. Let's be honest. Who hasn't been to the mall super last minute and in a rush to buy a new dress for dinner because we had already worn all the ones in our closet before and your friends couldn't see you in the same dress again? Exactly. So therefore, in a way, we fulfill our desires through the purchase of stuff, you know, things. And we can relate to this to what in the economic world, it's called the Society of the Spectacle which is a term that was developed by Guy Debert in 1967. And this is a concept that if you've never heard of it before, it will actually amaze you because this book was written in the 1960s. So this is more than 50 years ago during a period of revolution and anti-establishment in Paris. So a completely different situation to what we're leaving nowadays and to the behaviors of humans. However, this concept mirrors and explains very accurately what is happening in the world right now and in this consumerist society specifically. So for you to learn and kind of gain sense of what it is, so the definition itself suggests that the spectacle refers to a socially, visually, and or emotionally striking display of excess. Debord used the term mass media to describe the spectacle as a concept as media, advertising, and public relations. And specifically, they would control their audiences rather the other way around. People were no longer in control of these things. For Debord, the spectacle turned real-life experiences into market commodities, suggesting the society felt under a type of spell where the commodities gained powers over consumers and the mass media has caused people to become obsessed and consumed with their appearance and image. And this pursuit of perfection is what nowadays drives people and looking good is their main priority above anything else. Nowadays, we don't say that we want consumer goods. We say that we need them. Now it's a necessity to live, but not only for that, but also to survive. It has been said that the society of the spectacle is the revised version of the Marxist concept of commodity of fetishism for the consumer culture. So these two topics are very related and overlap and they're on top of one another. Um, Marx suggests that what we see in advertisements or in the shelves generates its own autonomous life, entering into relationship both with the other commodity forms and with the people. What we see is the appearance of the commodity, how it is displayed, presented, and advertised to us in the media. And it completely ignores the actual product, what it is, its meaning. 
you know, it ignores the production process and the social relationship, which means, you know, the humans that created the product and actually added value to this stuff. Um, so it's all about money and the buying and selling of commodities in, in the marketplace and that exchange. So you give me this, I give you this for that. It's only about that exchange. And this is why I don't think really, really pay attention to how our environment is being exploited, especially its natural re you know, resources, because we don't realize how in order to meet the growing demand of consumers to buy and buy more stuff, manufacturing plants are always in production because that's the only thing we pay attention to, what's being produced, the quantities, if, you know, there's X amount of goods that are available because that's what we need because we're very selfish and we only think about ourselves. We don't think about the workers that are there. We don't think about any of that. Therefore, in order to make a difference and reduce the negative impact that this, you know, society is leaving behind, we all have to collaborate and work towards a more sustainable model. And to end these podcasts, I wanted to, you know, leave you and, you know, the listeners with this question. So, you know, who should be blamed for all of this? Who is the main protagonist to what is happening? You know, is it climate change? Is it, you know, consumers or big corporations? Like, who is to blame to what is happening in our society? Thank you so much, Mariana and Noah, for having this conversation with me today. Enjoy your day. Thank you. Bye. Message from sponsors. The world has changed. What we do today will define our tomorrow. We will keep changing how we design, how we choose materials, and how we make our products. We're turning using into reusing and recycling. Already more than half of our materials are recycled, organic, or sustainably sourced. By 2030, it will be 100%. Let's change for tomorrow. Brought to you by H&M.